Father in heaven, thank you for this beautiful day, for the opportunity to commune together, to learn together, and to absorb uh, the presence of your Holy Spirit, which is why we're here. It's really what we need, and it's really only the wisdom from above that can help us to rightly apply the word of truth. And so I pray you'd give that wisdom to our brother today. Speak to our hearts. Illumine us, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Good morning. Would you like me to speak to you in Australian this morning? <laughs> I speak three languages, English, American, and Australian. Oh, that I could talk in the language of Canaan. All right, well, um, it's been a few little trials uh, that have happened along the way, so I anticipate a big blessing this morning. Um, just to give you a little bit of a background, uh, my, uh, as, as was mentioned, my mother was a herbalist growing up as a young man, and I was the guinea pig. I had to hold my nose and hope for the best. And uh, so that was my introduction to herbs. I uh, had no interest whatsoever in uh, studying them. But uh, my wife and I, we traveled to the Philippines uh, just after we married about 14 years ago now. And my wife got uh, a very serious case of insomnia that lasted nearly six years. Uh, she could not sleep past midnight every night. Uh, she was in a very serious condition. She was on a good lifestyle. We were there to, to teach the locals about health, and here's my wife, uh, very sick. And so that uh, put us on a, a long journey. Um, we, we sought out the best of the best. No one could tell us what was wrong or how to treat it. Uh, I often tell people, you know, uh, our suffering is someone else's medicine. Um, so whatever you're going through, whatever God is bringing you through, just know this, that it's working out to be for someone else's salvation. And it may even be your own. Um, so that, uh, that was something that really put us on a different track um, because... I had been a little cynical, actually, of herbs, and it's amazing how the Lord works to uh, change us around. Uh, I, I used to teach lifestyle medicine, especially applied physiology. Uh, I used to teach nutrition, and somehow there's a bit, bit of a block there. You know, I was advocating uh, lemon juice and garlic and all the the, the, the good culinary herbs, but I didn't realize there was another component there that was, that, was, that was lacking. And so through our own journey, God put us in the position where we could learn this. And I know there's a lot of misconceptions with, with herbs, and there's a, a lot of things that we need to be aware of. There's some good things and bad things about it. So I hopefully uh, want to present to you today a little bit of a balance to herbal remedies. Um, okay. So we're going to be looking at uh, an evidence-based approach to herbal remedies. I'd like to, actually I was thinking that probably a better title would be a Christ-centered approach to herbal remedies. Okay. And uh, looks like this isn't going to work for us. Okay, now, in the end, you go back to the beginning, right? And uh, God made all things beautiful. And he said, 
Behold, I have given you every herb-bearing... Thank you. It didn't work for me. <laughs> Turn it on. <laughs> that does help. We didn't have a herb for that one. Thank you very much. All right. God said, Behold, I have given you every herb-bearing seed which is upon the face of all the earth, and every tree in the which is the fruit of a tree-yielding seed. To you it shall be for meat. Okay, so I want to give you a quiz. Can you spot the herb here? The left top. Anyone else? You're right. You are correct. Got a good bunch of students here. Uh, they are all herbs. Um, yes. Yes. And you will understand that they're all herbs if you understand what is the definition of a herb. Um, now, the Bible uses the word herb in a very broad sense. As we read in Genesis chapter 1, tw uh, 29, uh, in, in the sense of plants, right? Vegetation, uh, fruits and vegetables and nuts and grains and so forth. Um, but it also uses it in the context of medicinal herbs as well. But basically, all your food is a medicine, right? If God has made it, it has some medicinal properties in there. So really, a, the definition of a herb is a medicinal plant. And because there's medicinal value in all these things that you see here, that puts them all under the category of herbs. But classically, we think of herbs as things like red clover or echinacea or golden seal, things like that. But in a broad sense, it's a lot more than that. Now, I hope I can show you something here. I might Okay, this is a little seed. Can you see it starting to grow? A little seed. It's a herb, and it's sending out a shoot. This is amazing, isn't it? You know, this, this, this gives me chills just thinking about this. Have you ever seen... Look at that. Isn't that amazing? Who taught it to do that? God. Yeah, yeah. Really, it should be the power of God. The power of God. Um, now, there, there is a little root. The first root that goes out is called a radical. A radical. Now, have you ever seen a tree growing out of a rock? That what you, what you believe was that the, the seed, it was in a crack in the rock, and it just grew out of the crack. No, the seed made the crack. The seed made the crack. Seeds have such incredible power, they basically, oh, can we get the next one? They don't let anything get in their way. A radical doesn't let anything get in the way of its growth. 
doesn't let anything get in the way. Now, this is, um, you can't see it very well here, but this is actually cement. This is cement. And you've got some shepherd's purse in there. At, well, I, I typed in Google cement, so I, <laughs> it may be asphalt. You may be more, <laughs> yeah, it may be asphalt, but it works with both. Works with both. You've probably seen, uh, maybe some of you haven't seen Shepherd's Purse, but it is so powerful, it will recycle concrete, recycle asphalt. If we didn't have weed killers, it would just recondition it. It would break it apart to pieces. And the, the reason why this is so powerful, friends, is because of the spiritual application that we can all be a radical, right? We can all be like that little seed that doesn't let anything get in the way of its growth. And that's the power of God right there. This is a herb shop. It's not my herb shop. <laughs> Um, you, you, you've probably been, I don't know if any of you have been in a herb shop like this, but the problem is that over 90% of herbalists that you meet do not give glory to God. They give glory to the plants, they give glory to the spirits of the plants, and this is a problem, because the devil, he hijacks things, and he tries to get things in his control and give it a certain twist and flavor and it becomes poison. Doesn't mean the plants become poison, but the philosophy that spikes the plants become poisonous. Uh, by the way, this is our store, a herb shop in Granger, Indiana. Uh, we carry thousands of different herbs there. Uh, we do not use herbs that create side effects or that are toxic, or that are addictive. And so uh, we, we, we are very glad to help people walk in the door. A lot of people uh, think that we are a place that sells marijuana <laughs> when they see herb shop. All right, so now in America, you say herb. Yeah, we, so we say herb. So I tell people we should have called it the Australian herb shop. That, that would have been better. Um, now, the world is waking up to herbal remedies. In fact, herbal remedies are increasing at an exponential rate. In the United States, the herb industry is increasing 20% every year. E even the World Health Organization is fully aware of the importance of herbal remedies for the health of a large number of the population in today's world. Herbal remedies are recognized as valuable and readily available resources. And their appropriate use is encouraged. This is actually from the World Health Organization website. So um, they, they believe there's a place. Uh, one more interesting fact is that the World Health Organization uh, estimates that 80% of the population of the world is now using herbal remedies. And I'm not talking about using culinary herbs just to flavor your food. I'm talking about using them for ailments, okay? 
80% of the world's population, that's a lot of people, isn't it? Uh, in fact, what did we have before modern medicine? In fact, the word druid comes from the old Dutch name, which means a dried plant. Yes, so this was really the precursor. In fact, 100 years ago, uh, when people still used herbs in uh, you know, a very readily fashion in the United States, because they were so objectionable to taste often, uh, what happened is they started to make them into pills. And this led the way for modern pharmacy, uh, pharmaceutical developments. So herbal medicine is getting in the spotlight. It may not be altogether the best spotlight. It may, not be, it may be controversial spotlight, but it is getting some recognition. In fact, um, you know, the Bible says about Christ, uh, or Paul said that you know, whether Christ be uplifted or whether he be put down, basically, it's, it's still helping the courts. So from uh, the National Geographic, the Mayo Clinic, to top celebrities, herbal remedies is not going away. The problem is that many a time, uh, the news does not portray, unfortunately, this may be of a shock to some people, but sometimes the news is not altogether accurate. All right? So, <laughs> so, so this was one study that was done. Um, this is a peer-reviewed journal. They, they concluded, our finding of negative coverage of herbal remedy trials is contrary to the positive trends in most published research based primarily on anecdotal accounts. Our results highlight how media coverage is not providing the public with the information necessary to make informed decisions about medical treatments. Most concerning is the lack of disclosure of trial funding and conflicts of interest that could influence the outcome or reporting of trial results. This lack of reporting may impact the medical research community, which has the most to lose by way of public trust and respect. So um, let me just share something with you. Often people think, because I'm in the herbal field, that I'm against modern medicine. I am I, not in that category. I believe there is a place for both, and it takes wisdom to know when to use one over the other. Okay, So I'm not against doctors. I'm not against uh, using surgery or uh, for acute situations, drug medication. But that being said, I believe if we understood more about natural remedies, then we'd be able to help ourselves a little bit better than maybe if we hadn't have got educated. If we don't get educated, we're going to get medicated, right? All right? So I didn't read in the Bible, he says, my people die from lack of medication, right? Education is the problem, right? All right, and let me tell you this, that these uh, herbs are not a substitute for poor lifestyle habits. They're an adjunct therapy, and they fall under the category of nutrition, and they're used for selective situations. It doesn't mean we're at the tree of life yet, okay? Uh, there's not one herb that works for 100% of people. Sometimes I see people get well. Sometimes I see... Uh, Conditions slow down, don't get any worse, but it may not necessarily get any better, and sometimes we don't see results. But we leave that with God, because he, he is the one that 
And, and it may not necessarily be that you're the person that can help that person, individual. I can't help everyone, but um, there's a lot of people we can help if we impart to them the education they need. The Bible says in Psalm 104.14, He causeth the grass to grow for the cattle and the herb for the service of man. That word service means ministry. And herbs minister. That means they give. They're a servant. They give back to the body what it needs. We're all made up of what comes out the ground, right? And so um, herbs have high amounts of vitamins. They have high amounts of minerals and phytochemistry. And when we get disease, often there's an imbalance in the body. It may be lacking certain elements that we need to boost it up, and so herbs can help in that area. This is the uh, 4,000 years of, of medical history, okay? In 2000 BC, here, here, eat this root. Okay, then 1000 AD, that root is heathen. Here, say this prayer. 1865, that prayer is superstitious. Here, drink this potion. 1935, that potion is snake oil. Here, swallow this pill. 1935, that pill is ineffective. Take this antibiotic. 2000, that antibiotic is poison. Eat this root. <laughs> okay. All right. So in the end, we go back to the beginning. Um, now, of course, the Bible is not a book of herbs, but it does have uh, many different um, texts that incorporate herbal remedies. There's over 100 different Bible references to herbs and spices. Um, and we see here the wise men. Um, I tend to remind people, especially around Christmas time, uh, two of the first Christmas gifts were herbs. All right. And if you ever, if you ever understand frankincense and myrrh, you'll know why these men gave those gifts. They, they both heal the deepest of wounds that nothing else will heal. And that's Jesus, right? Amen. Jesus. And, and let me remind you, friends, and I have to remind the people that come to the store, it's not the herb that heals you. Christ heals you. He, he's endowed the herbs with properties that typify his character, right? So there's not one herb that can surround that. So he's given us many different herbs. And just as in the sanctuary, everything in the sanctuary pointed to the work of Christ and the character of Christ. And you'll find that too with herbs. Now, not all herbs are created equal, and uh, many herbs have been changed, and many herbs are poisonous, okay? So I don't want anyone to leave with the impression that all herbs are safe and we can just eat anything we want. Um, you know, when the Israelites left Egypt, they ate the Passover lamb, and they ate with bitter herbs. And they had to leave in a hurry. Remember that? They had to go on a long journey. You ever wondered why they were given bitter herbs? Now, symbolically, it points to the suffering of they had, or the bitterness of Egypt. But just from a physiological point of view, did you know bitter herbs help with digestion? And they will also help digest lamb. They'll help with, with uh, eating. Yes, increases hydrochloric acid production. And it won't give you a heartburn. <laughs> 
Yes, if you have to leave after a bit of meat and travel miles through the desert, night and day, you probably need some bitter herbs. <laughs> okay. Um, even in the sanctuary service, you'll find herbs were used. Uh, the anointing of the priests, they used frankincense. They used frankincense on the table of showbread. It was, it was grated like salt. It was a symbol of the righteousness of Christ covering uh, his people. It was also used for anointing oil. Remember in Timothy, if any sick among you, let him call the elders, anoint him with oil. That oil that was used in those times, it had frankincense oil in, in there. It could have been mixed with olive oil. And also the altar of incense. There was a compounded um, herbal preparation that was used for the incense, and part of that was frankincense. It was also with calamus, uh, sorry, calamus, which is um, it's, uh, also known as lemon, uh, lemongrass, lemongrass, and also cinnamon. And, you know, as you got closer to the sanctuary, you would smell this beautiful perfume, especially the frankincense. And the frankincense, did you know that the frankincense is an antidepressant? So as you came with your sacrifice to meet the priest, you would smell the frankincense and your anxiety would be lifted. Yeah. According to Leslie Harding, uh, one of our church historians in the sanctuary, they use Boswellia serrata. There's six different kinds of frankincense. Uh, we use the Boswellia serrata in, in our store. And it's one of the best for relieving tension. Just having that uh, in your room, just, just breathing that in um, is great for anxiety. It can help with stress. Uh, Boswellia serrata. Parallels of herbs and Jesus. They are often the last resort for healing. It takes faith to try them. They are both within the reach of everyone. They have been used successfully for thousands of years to all people, nations, tongues, and languages. They can be trusted to help with many complaints and conditions. They are often despised and taken for granted and science is still trying to figure out how they work. Uh, you remember it said in the book Isaiah that Jesus was a root out of dry ground. And if you've got a root in dry ground, what have you got for the plant? You've got medicine. Because when a plant gets stressed, it actually increases its phytochemistry. And uh, plants have their own little cell phones. They send their little text messages without Apple. And when, another, when a plant is, is eaten, it may be under attack by a, a predator, it will send these little chemicals, a bit like pheromones, through the air to notify the other plants that it's being attacked and to get ready because you could be next. And so it puts its 
its energy towards nutrition um, and phytochemistry and immune function. Okay, so it, 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 you know, the, it said that the stress that doesn't kill you makes you stronger. It's, it, as it is in the plant world, so it is in our world too. So, so maybe you feel like a, a root in a dry ground sometimes. I know I have been. Um, but God is working that out to be medicine, right? It's amazing. Um, in Exodus chapter 37, 25, it says, They sat down to eat bread. They lifted up their eyes and looked. Behold, a company of Ishmaelites came from Gilead with their camels bearing spicery and balm and myrrh, going to carry it down to Egypt. Do you know where modern medicine attributes its origins to? Egypt. Uh, Jeremiah 46, 11 says, Go up to Gilead and take balm, O virgin daughter of Egypt. In vain now she used many medicines. Thou shalt not be cured. Of course, the ones they had in those times were just as poisonous often as they have today. Um, the, uh, the pilgrims, they brought herbs over. Did you know that? You know a common herb that we have all around us that pilgrims brought over from England? Dandelion. Dandelion. Yeah, you can blame those Brits. All right? Yes, they... They wanted a reminder of the meadows of England. Yes, so they brought them over. Do you know you can eat every part of dandelion? Just make sure you, you wash it. Uh, dog may have beaten you to it. And, um, but the flower, the root, the stem, it's one of the best herbs for nutrition. High in vitamin A, vitamin C. Anyway, I'll go into that a bit later. Okay, herbal medicine, sometimes referred to as herbalism or botanical medicine, is the use of herbs for their therapeutic or medicinal value, and herb is a plant or plant part valued for its medicinal, aromatic, or savory qualities. Herb plants produce and contain a variety of chemical substances that act upon the body. Now, there's different kinds of forms of herbal remedies, okay? Some are in capsules, some are in tinctures or extracts, some are in, uh, in a compressed tablet, and then you have syrups and uh, uh, all kinds of different um, uh, powders for smoothies and formulas. So uh, the form is very much dependent also on the effectiveness. And the most effective way to get a herb in your body is either a tea or as an extract. It goes straight in the bloodstream, doesn't require any digestion. And unfortunately, I hate to say this, but a lot of herbal pills do not even have the original ingredient in them. And they often use fillers and... Um, they're questionable. They may come from um, China, could be five years old, and very low in potency. So um, if, if you have a little herb garden, if you have a 10 by 10 foot garden, you can grow what you need for a family of four all year round. Just in a square garden of 10 by 10 square feet, uh, you can get 100 different herbs and uh, you could be loaded with a lot of things that you need. And start with culinary herbs, you know, things that you add to your, your food. You may want to, you know, put some 
basil in there or thyme, rosemary, oregano, um, things that you like and enjoy. And uh, add a few things in there that uh, you're going to need for uh, different complaints. For, okay. Uh, I skipped out a slide previous to this, but it says, for the reasons described in the previous section, herbalists prefer using plant extracts from the whole herb or various parts such as roots, flowers, seeds, etc., rather than extracting a single active ingredient from them. Now, there may be a place in that. Herbal extracts have many components and are usually too complex to manufacture synthetically by the pharmaceutical industry, and you can't patent it, right? In fact, uh, some of the most effective medications that we have on the market are herbal derivatives and have been around for, for 100 years or so. Like we have aspirin. Where's aspirin come from? Willow tree. Where does quinine come from? Oh, quinine. Sorry, I'm in America. <laughs> the cinchona tree. Uh, it's from the bark. Okay, what about um, digitalis? Foxglove, right? And they're still used by many physicians today. But they're isolates, right? So they've taken like salicylic acid from aspirin, and uh, yeah, we'll get rid of a headache, and um, it can have a lot of therapeutic effects to it. But you can still use the the original source. You just need to uh, work on dosages. Okay, it says these components containing medicinal herbs work together to produce therapeutic effects while at the same time moderating potential side effects often associated with pharmaceutical preparations. Several herbs are often used together to enhance effectiveness and syn synergistic actions to reduce toxicity. All right, for example, um, let's say curcumin, all right? Curcumin is from where? Turmeric. Is turmeric the same as curcumin? No, they are different. Curcumin is an isolate from turmeric, right? So if you isolate curcumin from turmeric, it's still going to be effective as an anti-inflammatory, but because it's an isolate, the body will get rid of it in less than 20 minutes. That's why they recommend black pepper, because it stops the liver degrading the curcumin. But if you took the whole turmeric, guess what? It will last in your body several hours, because it has all the facilitators there encapsulated as God gave it. Can we improve upon God? You know, we, we just, we, we try to. <laughs> we try to. Man does his very best to, but... I don't believe you can improve upon God. I mean, he gets the glory because he's the one that makes them, right? Yeah. So um, what I'm saying is there's a reason. Just like when Jesus said about marriage, he said, what God hath put together, let no man pull asunder. When you pull apart things, you often end up... Okay, no worries. Don't worry about it. That's fine. Um, the uh, Sorry, we're just recording. Um, so... The, uh, when you pull apart the properties, then what can happen is that you end up with an imbalance. All right? So there's, there's not one thing you can take in the body in excess that does not create a deficiency somewhere else. All right? Uh, and that goes for supplements. 
And uh, that, that goes for herbal isolates as well. You can create an imbalance. If you have too much vitamin C, you can end up impeding phagocytosis of your immune system. I mean, too much in anything, you can get too much exercise, too much water, too much sunlight, right? So everything in balance as God has given us. So the whole herb is greater than the sum of the individual parts. It takes more than a good soprano to make a choir, right? And it takes more than good phytochemical to make a herb. In fact, speaking of turmeric, if you took curcumin out of turmeric and gave the person what was left, it would still be anti-inflammatory. And what you find often with herbs is a certain chemical gets famous overnight, and then next year it's another chemical they found in the plant. You go, oopsie D, uh, it was really actually this one. <laughs> okay. So um, just keep that in mind. It's important to bear in mind that a herb just does not have one single use, but has multiple actions affecting multiple body systems. Take uh, St. John's wort, for example. It is a nervine that calms anxiety, stress, and anxiety-related depression. But it also aids repairs when nerves have been damaged. It has an antiviral action. It also is helpful for healing damaged intestinal mucor and it, mucosa, and it can be used for menopausal nervousness and menstrual cramps. Therefore, St. John's wort is just not a herb for a single issue, but a complex herb that works for many underlying issues in multiple body systems. Now, <clears throat> what I like to do is I, I try to find a herb that has a major function for specific conditions and not worry too much about other herbs that have minor functions that can affect that system. So usually, a herb has a major function, something it's well known for, and then it has multiple secondary effects. So if you're dealing with a certain condition, you may want to just use the herbs that have a major effect on that body system. All right, and make sure you understand that herb before you use it. Um, now, all the time I've been involved with herbal remedies, I can count on one hand the side effects that I've seen. And usually it's because people have been irresponsible. They've taken too much. They thought a little was good, therefore a lot was better. Or they had it with a medication, and um, it had a, a competing effect, and it, it, it didn't have any major implications, but nevertheless, it's something to be aware of. Um, Ellen White, she, she did use herbs as needed in different situations. She didn't have them every day, but there were times she used them. There are herbs that are harmless, the use of which will tide over many apparently serious difficulties. But if all would seek to become intelligent in regard to their bodily necessities, sickness would be rare instead of common. An ounce of prevention is worth a pound of cure. And I just want to back this up by saying often people use herbs as a crutch or they use them in a way that they would a medication just to fix up a temporary problem, but they don't get to the underlying cause, right? So uh, herbs work better with a better lifestyle, all right? For example, did you know if you, didn't, if you just took herbs and you didn't exercise, then you wouldn't get the full benefit of that herb because the circulation carries 
the nutrients that you need through the body to do their work, right? And it also prevents the body uptaking the nutrition, right? So it's important to keep in mind that it's a holistic approach, from the, not from the New Age holistic, but from God's perspective. The Lord has given some simple herbs of the field that at times are beneficial, and if every family, any families here, were educated in how to use these herbs in case of sickness, much suffering might be prevented, and no doctor need be called. These old-fashioned, simple herbs, uh, underscore, uh, this should be underscored, used intelligently, would have recovered many sick who have died under drug medication. I think the key word there is using them intelligently, all right? And it says here, there are simple herbs and roots that every family may use for themselves and need, call, need not call a physician any sooner than they would call a lawyer over this subject. Now, I want to clarify, um, this does not negate the use of doctors, okay? I don't want anyone to think <laughs> that we're putting down doctors or they haven't got a place. What it's saying is, we could help treat ourselves with certain conditions that would not necessitate the use of a doctor if we had the education and if we also followed the lifestyle, okay? So education is key. <clears throat> Let's look at some principles of herbal medicine. Herbs must be preserved to maintain effectiveness. And if you ever go to a herb shop or even just a, a, a big outlet like Whole Foods or... Uh, fresh market, you'll see herbs in plastic or glass containers. And uh, what that tells me is that those herbs are getting destroyed because light would destroy every property of a herb except the fiber. It would destroy all the phytochemistry of that plant. Oxygen would destroy the herb. Moisture and heat, they'll all destroy herbs. So what we do in our store is we protect them by putting them in containers that suck out the air that are UV protected, moisture protected, and temperature regulated. Herbal teas and extracts are the best ways to take herbs. Um, does anyone here have herbal teas on a regular basis? Okay, anyone here likes to use tea bags? Okay, I, ha I hate to say this, <laughs> but, but uh, they're not very effective, and they're not very healthy, okay? Uh, in fact, the tea bags, unless they say organic, they put a, uh, what we call dioxin, it's a chloride derivative, and it can cause cancer at the trillionth of a part, okay? Now, I'm not saying you're gonna get cancer if you take it, okay? All I'm saying is just be aware it's better to make your own tea, all right? That's, that's what I'm trying to extract from that, okay? Herbal teas and extracts are the best way to take herbs. Herb dosages vary depending on the herb used. Weight of the person, the form they are taken in, and the condition of the person. Okay, so um, don't think that if you're, you know, it says on the bottle one serving that your five-year-old child could be taking the same amount, all right? So you got to, this is where common sense comes in, all right? So you, you've got to... You, vary the dosage according to need. So, for example, we have people come in our store and they may have serious inflammation. So, 
sometimes I may suggest, you know, if it were me, I would take the higher recommendation just because it's more serious. So um, herbs are best used if the cause of the disease is ascertained. This is very, very important because I always have people come up to me and say, hey, I've got um, a problem with my, uh, let's say, stomach, right? Uh, what can I do for it? Um, well, I don't know what caused that problem, so I have to find out. Uh, was it because they ate too much? Are they eating under the golden arches? Um, you know, are they raiding the fridge at 12 o'clock at night? Are they skipping meals? What are they doing? Are they drinking water? And so I have to sort of be like a private investigator, find out what their lifestyle habits are like, but then I also have to find out what is the specific cause or causes of that problem. Usually there's not one cause to a problem. It's uh, multiple causes bearing down, converging, manifesting that condition. So if you've got a headache, think about it. You know, was it stress? Was it uh, dehydrated? Did I not get enough sleep? You know, did I eat that piece of cheesecake that caused it? What, what happened? So finding out the cause gives you more specific direction to what herb to use. Okay, for example, there are over 100 different herbs you can take for sleep. Okay, most commonly it's stress. Okay, but it could be problems with hormones. It could be metabolic. It could be related to nutritional deficiency. It could be a problem with, um, <clears throat> let's say, circadian rhythms or um, your work situation. It could be a mineral deficiency, it could be muscle tension. So if you know the specific, at least the system in which it's working under or, or which is causing that problem, then you could be more specific as to the, the exact remedy. Because there's over 100 different herbs you can use for sleep. So my wife, she had, uh, as I mentioned before, six years of no sleep. She tried several herbs before she found the right one because the ones she was using weren't addressing her underlying problem. She had a deficiency of electrolytes. And when you have a deficiency of electrolytes, your nerves can't rest. If the nerves can't rest, then you're in a constant state of hypersensitivity. You know, everything's a big deal. Noise is a big deal. Light's a big deal. You know, your emotions are heightened. You know, and within three days, she was back to eight hours sleep after getting the right herb. Okay. Um, <laughs> come to this afternoon and I'll tell you. Is that a good draw? <laughs> I tell you also, also um, my wife, she was uh, 34 and she was perimenopausal. Okay. Now, 34-year-old should not be perimenopausal, right? And um, we tried for several years to have children, couldn't have children. Now, I know God opens a womb, okay? He gets the glory for all this. But um, that being said, he does direct us to natural remedies. So my wife, uh, she got a hold of a herb called Vitex, and I'll be speaking about that this afternoon. If any of you want to get pregnant or avoid getting pregnant, you better come to this afternoon. <laughs> all right. Okay. Remember... Sarah laughed. Remember that. Yeah. Okay. Uh, uh, 
I, I had, um, let me tell you, I have some interesting phone conversations sometimes. I had a, had a lady call me up one day from California. She said, I want to get pregnant, being in the mission field, and, you know, and I'm ready. I said, how old are you? She said, well, I'm 62. <laughs> and uh, I felt like laughing. I said to her, you know what to call if it's a son, don't you, <laughs> Isaac? Um, anyway, I don't know if she's pregnant today, but uh, anyway, um, you never know. God does amazing things. Now, my wife is nearly 50, and uh, she is, I don't think she'll mind me saying this, uh, she is not perimenopausal, and uh, she has normal cycles, and she had PMS issues two weeks out of the month, every month, until she started using uh, Vitex. And uh, when she started using it, within two weeks, uh, I'm not saying this will happen to you, but within two weeks she was pregnant. We had our first child around the age of 39. And then uh, we thought, after seeing three years of selfishness, we thought we'd better try again. And so we had another child, a little girl this time, called Emily. And uh, she, she was birthed around 43. And uh, now we use herbs to keep up with them and to calm them down. <laughs> and so, works really, really well. Okay. <laughs> yes, it got too much, too much energy. So, <laughs> all right. So herbs, uh, herbs are not substitute. Okay, herbs should be used intelligently, and in therapeutic levels deemed appropriate for the condition. All right. So. Um, you know, with a dosage, let me explain something. There's no one licensed in America, no doctor, physician, pharmacist, botanist, chemist, that can prescribe a herb. Did you know that? So that means they're not going to write out a prescription on a letterhead-headed uh, medical, you know, form, take three teaspoons of turmeric every day. So, so this is... Um, it can be good, I understand the legal implications, but also it's hard for people that want to get involved to know exactly what's required for them. So how to get around that is we say, if it were me, this is what I would do. So if you hear me saying that, you know what I'm doing, okay? All right. <laughs> That's my disclaimer. Look, you know, sometimes people just take what you say and they just, you never dream what they were going to do with it, you know? Uh, I had a gentleman one time, he, he uh, took half a bottle. I never even told him to even put this in his mouth, but he took half a bottle of tea tree essential oil because someone, someone else got rid of their candida, so he took half a bottle of essential oil and ended up in the ER. Yeah, it, it's, it's crazy. So, so uh, you know, I err on the side of caution, so, um, you know, be careful. Uh, that's why I say the intelligent use, because a lot of people don't use that approach. Um, so herbs are not to be relied upon continually unless they're for nutritional support. So it's just like if you have a breakage in your arm and you've got a cast on, right? As soon as that fixes up, then you can take it off, okay? However, there are herbs you can take just like nutrition, right? Just on a daily basis, a bit like people take their green barley uh, juices and things like that. And so there's a lot of good herbs that can help with nutritional support. And those things I'll mention if you come back this afternoon. All right, herb-drug interactions. Um, they're, 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 
is a uh, element of caution that we need here. And let me just give you a general principle. If you get the principle, then I think you'll be on the safe side. If you're taking a medication that's, say, balancing your blood pressure, and say without that medication, you would be 180 over 100, all right? And with the medication, you're 140. And you come and see me, and you take a herb like hawthorn berry, and you've now got two agents working to lower blood pressure. Well, if you, if you get your blood pressure too high, too low, too quickly, you can end up with a stroke, right? So, so this is what I do. If people in a critical situation work on their lifestyle first to get them in a safe zone, when they're in the safe zone, then you could start you know, suggesting certain things that could be used. But, um, so if, if they're on a medication that's balancing them in a critical situation, so their life could be on the line here, all right? Um, that's when I just focus on lifestyle, all right? Because that's what they need the most, all right? And then if you do that and things are looking really good, then we can maybe talk about the next step. So if they're on seizure medication, cardiac rhythmic stabilizing medication, you know, severe antidepressants and uh, blood sugar medications and hypertensive, you just got to be careful with those. Yes, that's right, anti-seizure medication. So anything that's stabilizing them, when they're in a, like a hospital situation, you got to be extremely careful. Let's talk about the safety and effectiveness of herbal remedies. Um, I got this from the Poison Control Center. Now, I don't want anyone to think that herbs have never killed anyone, but this was the last report I could get. I couldn't get up to date um, the latest statistics on this, so this is going back to 2008. But out of 60 billion supplements consumed in the United States, there were zero reported deaths, 21 major reactions, 527 moderate reactions, and 603 minor reactions. And this is from, uh, this includes people, you know, having, say, a bottle of, say, echinacea in their home, and their little toddler grabbed it and started to, you know, eat it and that type of thing. Um, so there have been reports of deaths, and let me tell you what they've been from. They've been from mainly energy formulas, or weight loss formulas. And guess what both of those products have in them? Caffeine. That's right. And also there's a lot of people that um, choke from the pills, right? That, that can happen. So if you took those things out, it would make a dramatic difference in the outcome. Factors to consider when assessing herb safety. All right. In general, a number of broad factors must be taken into account. Firstly, uh, has traditional use of the plant revealed any knowledge of toxicity? Does the plant contain constituents with established toxicity? And are there inherent risks unique to the form in which the herb is administered? For example, does topical use of the herb pose a different level of risk than internal use? Does objective data for both toxicity and efficacy exist? Are the res res research results valid enough to form some basis for approximate risk assessment, and how does the evidence compare with the perceived risk expressed by the FDA practitioners of orthodox medicine or herbalists? 
Um, <clears throat> how's my time going? How much time do I have? I got five minutes? Okay, thank you. All right, so um, <laughs> we, we got a herb to slow down time, okay? It's called part two. <laughs> All right, so come back. So, um, okay, so should, should I open up for questions or should I just keep going? What do you think? Just keep going? Okay. So, um, as I said before, there's a lot of misinformation, and this is what I found. A lot of the herbs that are reported to be effective and good for us are actually not good for us. And a lot of the ones that are reported to be toxic are actually often good for you. And I will go into some detail maybe in the second part here uh, this afternoon. But uh, for example, let me give you one that's common, uh, green tea. Anyone here like green tea? Don't put up your hand. <laughs> it's okay. I used to drink green tea. I grew up in England, and we, I grew up on, on green tea. And I lived in Japan, and that's a tea-drinking culture. Well, it's really good for you, isn't it? Green tea, it's high in polyphenols, antioxidants, and it's protective against your heart and free radical damage and all that type of thing. Well, what they won't tell you is that it also is high in aluminum, it's high in fluoride, especially in Europe, up to 300 plus parts per million of fluoride. There's 40,000 cancer deaths in the United States attributed to fluoride every year. 40,000. Um, also, it has tannins that block iron absorption, and it knocks out GABA, gamma aminobutyric acid. And you don't want to drive a car with no brakes. And GABA is your brakes. And one of the first re reports that Ellen White gave or counsel against injurious substances was the use of tea. Did you know that? Yes. And the effects upon the mind. And she even said that you, you say things that you wouldn't normally say. That's because GABA's knocked out. Gives a loose tongue. I think she used, it loosens the tongue, she said. GABA, G-A-B-A. I call it God's appointed blocking agencies. Yes. You see, temptation is, is, is central around GABA. See? When you get tempted and your GABA is low, you just go along with the flow. You see? So we have chemical, chemical uh, proteins, uh, hormones that actually block nervous transmission that leads to the hypothalamus being in control of the frontal lobe. There's direct axon, connection between, axon connections between the frontal lobe and the hypothalamus. And GABA is involved in blocking, blocking the electrical activity stimulating the bottom of the brain to usurp the top of the brain. And so that's why I think it says in the Bible, whatsoever you eat or drink, right? Do all to the glory of God. So if you want polyphenols, get peppermint tea. It's 100 times more than green tea. Yeah. Peppermint is uh, on the top of the list, number one, as polyphenols. 
Um, so, so that's a common drink. Common drink is over a billion cups of tea drunk in the world every day. All right? And there's so many reports focusing on the benefits of green tea. But in my opinion, we don't actually sell green tea in our store. And that comes as a bit of a shock to some people because we're a herb shop. We should have everything. We should have the marijuana. All right? <laughs> first, the first herb that you see as you walk in the door. <laughs> yes. Uh, if you come this afternoon, it's on my list. In fact, I was encouraged to talk about it. Yes. So you've got to come back for that. Yes. CBD is in the spotlight. Yes. So my five minutes, unfortunately, is up. But um, I want to thank you all for coming. I, I have a card at the back if you want to grab, grab some. Um, also, for those who aren't coming this afternoon, uh, I also do church seminars. If any is interested, I'm happy to come to your church. And uh, if you need any help, if you've got any health things that you need help with, I'm more than happy to talk to you over the phone. So thank you for coming, and look forward to seeing you this afternoon. So Lee lives here in Michigan. He had, his store is in South Bend. And he is excited to share with our Michigan family and do seminars for you. And he's going to be covering a lot of great stuff this afternoon. So let's close with prayer and to remember everything we're doing. Um, you're, you're making signs, cards, business cards. We'll check that out. Let's bow our heads. Heavenly Father, you have given us um, information today, and I pray that we will take this and use it to your glory, that we can understand the, the beauty that you have put into the plants and the, and the, the growing things that, and help us to, to be excited about eating these great foods and this lifestyle and these natural remedies that you have so uh, given to us in such a loving way. And we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. This media was brought to you by Audioverse, a website dedicated to spreading God's word through free sermon audio and much more. If you would like to know more about Audioverse, or if you would like to listen to more sermons, please visit www.audioverse.org.